changing behavior is not that easy. But I do think now is the time because people are aware that climate change is a problem and that transport is a problem. And if we are not changing our habits, we, we, we're going to face a disaster. This is On the Right Track, a Florence School of Regulation podcast series dedicated to the European Year of Rail. I am Juan Montero, professor at the Florence School of Regulation Transport Area. In this series, I have the pleasure of speaking to experts across the railway industry on various regulatory topics on the smart and sustainable single European railway area. Welcome to this new edition of On the Right Track, the podcast of the Florence School of Regulation for the uh, European Year of Rail. Today, we are having a conversation with Veronica Haugnall, the European Affairs Manager of OBB, the Austrian Railways. Hello, Veronica. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me today. Today, I would like to have a conversation with you mostly on decarbonization. Uh, this is, of course, uh, one of the leading of political objects in uh, transportation. And uh, railways has a very important role to play in decarbonization. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my initial question very broad is, what can rail do to support the decarbonization of transport? Um, well, I mean, first, I, I guess we are all aware that um, trains are the most efficient means of transport in, when you talk about decarbonization. So what really needs to be done to increase the share? So, yeah, increase model share for rail, that's the number one objective, that's the way to, to support decarbonization of, of transport. So I think that probably we can differentiate between passenger and freight. Uh, so talking about passenger, I mean, what are the leading measures that you think are would be necessary to support a model shift for passenger transport? Well, passenger transport, I think what we have to be aware of is that people want to go from A to B as quickly as, as and as comfortable as possible. So our service has to be that way. People want door-to-door -door mobility. So we should see not only the rail part of the journey, we should see the interconnectivity with other means of transport. So in order to make it easy for people to hop on a train. And what do you think uh, would facilitate people to for this intermodality, to, to, to integrate trains in their um, more complex um, transport needs? Well, I think we, sh we should provide not only the train um, journey, but also the first and last mile. For instance, uh, when people arrive at their final train station, that there is a possible easy possibility to take a bus or that you can rent a car or there, I don't know, e-bikes available. Uh, all these different modes of transport should be connected to make one journey for a person. Yeah, that, that's uh, of course there is kind of a, a physical element into it. So, so, so you can move from one transport mode to the other easily. I guess that digitalization uh, has a very uh, important role to play in order yeah. to support this multimodality. How how do you think Mula, digitalization can help? Well, digitalization for passenger, of course, means ticketing. And um, to be honest with you, there is an, there is still some work to be done because that is 
our number one priority at the moment. So that when people actually book a train ticket, they can book the other services as well, and they can book the whole journey. Um, there are a lot of projects um, at the moment um, in the European Union, also um, at UBB, um, to have these possibilities for passengers that they go on the internet or wherever day you want to book, they can book the whole journey. I think that is something that needs to be addressed urgently. Yeah, so digitalization, digital tools to support the booking of more than one transport mode at a time. And that, that's that's a clear this mobility as a service and this kind of, of project. So OBB is active also in this field of mobility as a service. Yes, yes, yes. We are we are very active in it. Also, you know, with our partners uh from from other countries because we are investing a lot in international trains especially night trains okay that, that that's an interesting field I mean let, let's start with cross border um uh yeah cross border very often will mean uh night trains not only but uh of course obB is investing very heavily and, and it's leading this this project around nine trains what what can you tell us about this uh, project um I mean, first of all, I think if if you may, um, trains are compatible, day trains are compatible up to a journey for four to five hours. Uh, because if you, um, compared to taking taking an, an airplane, that's, that's what I mean, because you have to take into consideration how long you need to get to the airport, security, everything else till you arrive outside. So four to five hours, I think, for day trains is... Um, a good length where um, trains can be compatible. Uh, night trains, of course, is a different thing because night trains, the journey is not so important. The, the length of the journey is not so important because what is important is that people arrive um, at a comfortable time. You don't want them you know, to throw them out in the train at five in the morning, so, so they should arrive at, I'd, I'd say, between, I don't know, seven and, and, and 10 or so. Um, we are the market leader. We are currently investing a lot in rolling stock. And with our partners in Europe, we also have plans for new night train lines in Europe. So, so the scope, I mean, here we are talking about substitution of aviation by railways. And, and the night train would be that kind of a model ship, would support that kind of, of model ship, right? Yes, exactly. And your experience is that a significant part of Passengers are ready to to move into the, the substitution, and, and, and do you see demand uh, for a substantial shift from aviation to uh, to rail in long distance travels, cross border services? Oh, that's a very difficult question. I mean, substantial might take it a bit too far. I mean, I, I guess what every sociologist knows, changing behavior is not that easy. But I do think now is the time because people are aware that climate change is a problem and that transport is a problem. And if we are not changing our habits, we, we, we're going to face a disaster. So on one hand, people are aware of it. I think there is a certain percentage in the population that would like to change their behavior. But on the other hand, we have to do our homework. We have to provide the services that they need. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. Um, 
And what about freight? I mean, uh, what, what are the main obstacles to model shift in freight? Um, wow, there are actually a number. I mean, we should come to the point where a company says, it's so easy, you know, to shift my stuff from A to B by train uh, that I don't need a truck. And honestly, we're not there yet, obviously. Um, one of the things that I guess will help a lot is the digitalization of freight transport by rail uh, in general. So there are a lot of different things that we could do. Yeah, because in, in passenger, we, when we were discussing about digitalization, you say digitalization is about ticketing. But in freight, it's different. I mean, what, what role do you think digitalization could play in, in, in model shifting, improvement of the service? A big one, a really big one. I mean, it starts with the automatic coupling. I mean, the thing is, we need to get um, more efficient in, in general, and things have to move faster. Mm -hmm. And the automatic coupling is, you know, a prime example for it because it will go automatically. At the moment, you need people, actually people there to check. When you can do it automatically through digital digitalization, it uh, will will make things a lot faster. <laughs> yes. Also, put a train together, put, it's, it's, uh, if you have like, you know, single wagon loads, that is a lot of work to put a freight train together with single wagon loads. If you yeah. can mm -hmm. do that with the help of digitalization, it will all also make it more efficient and faster. And I guess that it's also the same, uh, we were referring before for passengers to multimodality. So uh, uh, probably digitalization has a role to play also in, in mod uh, modality in freight. So oh, this yeah. uh, last mile, first mile, uh, which is always a challenge for railways, uh, that could be also improved with digitalization in freight. Yes, definitely. That's the way to the future. There's no, there, actually, there's no way around it. We have to do it. And I always have a question. I mean, when we are talking about freight, uh, and it's about capacity. I mean, do we have enough capacity in Europe, in, in railways, in order to assume a large part of uh, freight transport? Or do would we have to spend capacity to devote more uh, financial resources to spend capacity in the network? I think we do have the capacity. Um, the question is, how do we use it? Let me give the example of construction sites. At the moment, we have the problem, you know, that there is not... First of all, you know, people, customers for freight usually don't have a long time span before they book it. It can be, you know, quite, literally quite tight, the time frame when you get the order and then the, 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 you, you, the company wants to have, you know, things transported from ATV. So if you know, for instance, a year and a half, or let's make it perfect, two years and two years before, where are constructions in Europe? So this is this is up to the national member states. You can plan much more easily and don't and the whole network is not going to be disrupted. And this is currently the case because constructions can't pop up two weeks before, you know, they, they you have can have a two weeks before notice, which definitely is not enough. So mm -hmm. we have to use the track more efficient. But yeah, we could do it, no doubt about it. And uh of, of course, I mean, uh, freight is about long distances. 
it's about cross-border. Uh, do you think that it would be necessary to improve this management of the infrastructure to have a more uh, active role of a centralized capacity manager um, so, so that cross-border services are managed more efficiently? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's a good idea uh, because we have to keep into account that it's not only freight that uses the track, it's also passenger services. And it's a lot of it is national passenger services. <laughs> so if you centralize that, I mean, somebody would have all the data of all the countries of national services that is, I don't think that's very practical. What needs to be done is to improve the work in be between infrastructure managers um, and set up better communication. I mean, there you're absolutely right. But to centralize it, I think, mm, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> okay, any further idea for a uh, model shift in freight? Well, first of all, what 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 needs to be done anyway, also, you know, for freight or passenger is to, to create a level playing field that is fair economic wise. So <laughs> if we talk freight, of course, the competitor is usually trucks. Now we have to pay for every kilometer or mile of tracks. If you look at trucks, they only, you know, pay for a tiny amount of streets in the European Union. <laughs> Uh, so these kind of, you know, competitive disadvantages that rail in general has, not only freight, but also passenger, needs to be addressed. Because if we have a fair level playing field, then the best one wins. But at the moment, it's not the case. <laughs> okay, I think we've been talking a lot about our model shift. Uh, which clearly is the way forward, and that, that would have the most relevant impact in terms of decarbonization. But I'm wondering, is railways green enough itself? I mean, uh, could it be improved? I mean, are, are companies investing, both infrastructure managers and railway undertakings, to become greener and to reduce emissions? Um, I think we do. But of course, there are different levels, um, which you know have historic reasons, or at the moment, you know the possibility is not there. So the whole discussion about um, different fuels in in Europe for different modes of transport also uh, concerns railways. Obviously, mm -hmm. um, we should, or we have to, in order to you know be the green modes of transport, getting even better, we have to use green energy. Yeah, that, that's that's probably number one in terms of, it's true that railways are green because they are using electricity, but uh, it has to be identified what the source of that electricity is. Exactly, it has to be green electricity. <laughs> and uh, are you working with your providers, you know, rolling stock um, providers, for instance, in the in the greening, I mean, they are they also working in the greening of their procedures um, so that the the overall railway industry becomes greener. Honestly, this I don't know, but I think in general um, that concerns products. I think or the green deal in the European Union, you have to have a cradle to grave approach. Whatever you produce, mm -hmm. what do you use? in production and how do you dispose of at the end? That that goes for everything. 
But on rolling stock, honestly, I, I can't really answer the question. I, don't I mean, in general, I mean, with providers, I think that that's also a, a good policy. And I think that everyone is trying to reduce emissions. I mean, providers of manufacturers, but also all kinds of providers for uh, for the infrastructure itself, uh, even the, the public works for the uh, renewals and construction of new infrastructure. I think that it's important that all the different levels of value chain uh, get involved in this effort. Don't you think yes. so? Yes, definitely, of course. Okay, uh, Veronica, I don't know if you want to add something else on the greening, some final ideas, some final remarks. I think we should be aware that this is an opportunity now. The Green Deal of the European Commission is an opportunity. And we have to work together, which means to broaden the horizons and not only look at what we need nationally, we have to look what we need in Europe. And if we define our aims here and work together, I think the outcome will be very positive, not only for our companies, but for the people in Europe in general. Okay, I think that that's a very good statement to close this conversation. So uh, thank you very much, Veronica, and uh, thank you for uh, joining this uh, podcast series on the right track. And uh, looking forward to follow with the conversations. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. This was On the Right Track. Stay tuned for the next episode.